Welcome to Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Seibert and the Antioch Movement. Whether this is your first time with us or you've been with us for a while now, our desire is that by the end of our time together, you can say that you've fallen more in love with Jesus and have a greater passion for Him and His purposes in the earth. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope that you enjoy today's episode. Their Passion and Purpose community, Zach here. I'm with Jimmy, and we're excited to continue our study in what does it mean to be a multi-generational family on mission. We have looked at uh, God creating Adam and Eve. We have looked at God's covenant with Noah. We heard an awesome message from Sun Oak Park on what it means to be a multi-generational family on mission. And today, we're going to look at the life of Abraham, continue the story forward of how God is in the business of building multi-generational families on mission. So, Jimmy, how are you feeling today? Yeah, I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like, man, when you wade into the life of Abraham, we could be here for days. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to try to do about a little 25-minute take on it today. And if we got to keep on going, which I think we're going to need to, we'll keep on going. Let's go. Fun fact, last year, uh, each year I try to ask the Lord for what's a portion of Scripture that I can really dig into, yeah. uh, help me to focus, what's God want to speak to me. And Abraham was that person for last year. So it's been a lot of time study his life, excited to dig in on him today. So All right. with that, let's turn to Genesis 12. Yeah, so let, let's uh, let's just go back and say, hey, we're talking about being a multi-generational family on mission. And the beautiful thing about that is that's literally the theme of the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. God created Adam and Eve to be a family that would multiply their lives and live out the mission and purpose of God. Sin comes in, we've got a crisis. God then raises up a family called Noah and gives them the covenant promise that they would be a family on mission and multiply out to the whole of the earth. And then we land in Genesis 12, and there's this classic phrase, and I just want to pause real briefly and say, um, in Matthew 1.1, Jesus is called the son of Abraham, or the son of promise. We as the people of God in Galatians 3, for those who have faith in God, we are sons and daughters of Abraham, sons of the promise. So when we talk about Abraham, it's just not a standalone story. Right. It's the it's the um, clarity point where God begins to say, what does a multi-generational family on mission now play out until we see Jesus? Right. Kind of using this as our starting point in one way. It's not that Genesis 1-1, that was obviously the origi- origin. Noah was the reestablishment. Now this is the launch pad. Come on. Okay. So you ready? So here we go. Genesis uh, 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house to the land which I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great, so you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. The one who curse you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So again, whenever we're talking about apprehending God's promise or entering into his promise of covenant family and all the richness that he has for us, it begins with letting go of something to lay hold of something. Mm. So in one way, my family has been the world and its ways. That I, that's been my attachment, mm-hmm. right? I've been wedded to the world right. and its ways. Right. But when I, but in the story of Abraham, let go of your relatives, let go of your past, let go of your brokenness, let go of the pain, let go of even the, the, the heritage that was set up for you and lay hold of my heritage mm-hmm. for you. So you got to let go to lay hold. And right. so many times we we fight that process so we don't experience God's uh, intimate love for us, 
his father care for us because we're fighting it yep. uh, instead of letting it all go. Yes. Does that make sense? So what I, what I say is that if you let go in the natural of your mother and father, you will find God as a father and a mother. Mm. And again, on the beautiful side of that, if you had a godly family, godly heritage, you build from that. But if you had a painful place, it's when you let go of it that then you begin to experience God in his fullness because he fills the gaps. Mm. So uh, there was a, a leaving and cleaving. Then he says, all right, I need you to leave, and I'm going to make you a great nation, and I'm going to make your name great. Now, this is a little counterintuitive. You know, I'm supposed to be humble. I'm not supposed to just think that much of myself. But God is, is, is clarifying here, Abram, you're about to go on a journey that's pretty insecure. I just want to tell you ahead of time, I don't only have your back. I have a calling on your life. You're of the greatest value to me, and I'm going to make you great. So not for your sake, but I'm going to make you great for their sake. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're, that's, the, that's the deal, right? Right. So, Zach, you want to be great. Then there is an unholy side of you wanting to be great. Right. There is a beautiful side of you right. wanting to be great. Because the beautiful side is, as a redeemed child of God, God has a purpose and a plan, and he values me, and there's contribution that I have to make. And I want to, I, I actually am made to want to fulfill God's purpose for my life. Right. So this is just the affirmation of, hey, Abram, hey, you came from this family, this tribe, you had your problems, everything else, but I'm going to make your name great so you don't have to live in insecurity and try to make it happen yourself. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not really what happened. He fumbled a little bit along the way, but I just want to say to everybody listening, God created you. He created you with a purpose. He created you with beauty. He created you... Uh, to be great. Yeah. And again, not in the world sense, but in the beautiful sense of value right. and purpose. Anything you want to say to that? I well, know. I mean, there's so much there, but I really find the thought of needing to let go of things that have shaped and defined us in our hands in order to receive the things that God wants to put in our hands. I was talking with a friend uh, just a week or two ago who was describing some very painful experiences in his life of things coming to an end that were dreams that he had mm. but weren't working out in the way that he was hoping them yeah. and <clears throat> there was a letting go a death to those dreams but what he found a year removed was that God had brought new things along that were blowing his mind at what God had put before him and he yeah. realized he wouldn't have been able to steward those well right. these new things the new right. promised land yeah if he had gotten what he had been trying to hold on to. Yeah. And I think for so many of us, that's a word of wisdom and how to process our own lives of sure. letting go of things in order to lay hold of yeah. what God wants to give. I think it's profound. And then that idea of God blessing Abraham and making his name great. We get a choice of we can live in the ways of the world and try and make our own name great. right? Or we can let God be the loving father that he is and build us up and make us into something by his own design for his glory. And that's the place where, where life is. And I love, I love thinking about that. Yeah. And even as we celebrate this, God, making your name great, making a great nation and when, but you got to take the world out of your head. Yeah. I say great. Right. Nobody may ever know who you are. Right. But you will still be great. Yeah. You'll great in the great kingdom. Name. You'll be a great influence in someone's life. You will 
you'll love somebody so well that nobody else could love. You'll right. give extravagantly. You'll you'll live with integrity. The, right. the, this greatness, we we define it by uh, social media influence. Right? Yes. So we define it by a stage, yes. or we define it by money, yeah. or we define it by house or looks or you got to throw that stuff under the bus yes. and put it at the cross and say, greatness is my character, the beauty of the way I express myself. So God's I, definition of greatness is different, different than the world's yes, definition yes. of greatness. What Jesus. we're talking about is Jesus is great in the kingdom, yeah. not great in the kingdoms of this world. Exactly. Yeah. Amen. So may your name great. He said, you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. <laughs> so... You've got this, this, that word blessing means to be um, abundantly rich in every way. Mm-hmm. So I'm abundantly rich in being loved. I'm abundantly rich in relationship. I'm abundantly rich in provision. I'm abundantly rich in a sense of wholeness and right. connectivity to a God that loves me and to a family that I can care for, be cared for. So that sense of blessing, we live naturally with a sense of a uh, question mark. Mm-hmm. We all walk around, am I enough? And the world reinforces, no, you're not enough. Right. right? Uh, but in Jesus, we have been blessed mm-hmm. with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Right. That we may be confident and keep our head up. Of course, we've got things to repent of. We have junk in our lives. But man, that sense of wholeness. So when I... When I wake up this morning and and I know that I am loved by God, called by God, and blessed by God, it's not a, uh, a throwing off of my sin, my need for repentance, and the brokenness of my life. It's just saying, you know, God looks at me uh, with joy and desire that I become all that he wants me to be. Yeah. I begin from security, not insecurity, mm-hmm. maybe is way to say it. Mm-hmm. So here he's saying, all right, I'm going to bless you. Curse those who curse you. It's a little heavy, but let's let's just put it this way in the spiritual realm. The Lord said that um, he curses the enemies of God, which is the mm-hmm. devil and his demons. Right. And I will deal with the devil and the demons right. if you'll trust me with right. your life. Right. And sometimes that's housed in people. Right. Sometimes people do bad things. But this isn't like God's going around cursing every person that doesn't like you. Right. He's saying... Jesus became a curse on our behalf so that no curse would have power over us. Right. Galatians 3, which right. talks about the promise of Abraham. So when he says he's going to curse those who curse me, he is dealing with my enemies, yeah. which are my flesh and yeah. the devil and his and his demons. Yeah. Isn't that good? So good. All right. So, and then he says, and you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Yeah. So then we start the story of how is this going to happen how are the families, how's we gonna create a family out of Abraham and Sarah, these two these two barren ones, how are they gonna kind of roll this thing out? Yeah. All right? Now, and I'll, let me pause here to say, uh, when Laura and I first got married, mm-hmm. um, we, we, you know, I, I've worked with so many broken families through the years. Honestly, ours was not as broken as most, mm-hmm. but, uh, I grew up in an unbelieving family, a lot of, lot of pain, struggle. Mine was a little more dysfunctional than hers. Mm-hmm. Hers was a little more um, just uh, what, what were, not emotionally engaging. There mm-hmm. were some holes there that created some challenges and problems. But the bottom line is 
we got married and we said, we want to live life differently than the way we grew up. Right. We forgave our parents. We blessed them. It wasn't a reaction against the pain of our growing up years, but we needed to get God's trajectory for family. Yeah. And so what we did is we, again, we looked at all the scriptures on marriage that we could and said, all right, what does a God say about marriage? We looked about parenting. What does God say about raising a godly family? As we became pastors at 22 and 21, pastoring a little group of eight people, how does God look at these people and how do we build family? That's where we came up with the different things we do. Like if you're in an Antioch church or anywhere, it's normal to put somebody in the middle and encourage them. Well, that came out of our early years of saying what builds healthy family. Wow. And that whole encouragement exercise that is just so normal for us, it really came out of this desire of how do we build spiritual family because we didn't have that right. growing up. And multiple things that we began to do and figure out along the way with this premise is how do we build a covenantal nuclear family that's healthy? And then how do we build a spiritual family yeah. that's healthy? Yeah. Because... The promise is that all the families of the earth will be blessed yeah. through the sons and daughters of Abraham, which we are. Right, right. I love this, Jimmy. One of the things that you uh, have taught me in the area of parenting is that we want to speak life into our kids in our home such that as they go out into the world, they are going from a place of confidence, um, wholeness, not going out into the world yeah. looking for confidence or wholeness. Yes. And that way they can yeah. be a blessing wherever they go. And I look at this passage uh, here in Genesis as God the Father speaking like a father to Abraham yep. and speaking words of identity and purpose and calling. Because Abraham's going to go out and he's going to be a little guy out amongst all these you know bigger tribes. He doesn't have much, like, yeah. but he's going in faith. And so God as his father is, is just doing that same principle. And I think a big thing for us, uh, for Antioch, in becoming a multi-generational family on mission is for all of us to have those encounters where God as our father draws near yeah. and he speaks those words of identity into who we are. Yeah. It doesn't make us proud, but it brings healing and wholeness that we could go out with an attitude of, I'm here to be a blessing, not I'm out here to just create a blessing for myself. I think that's really yeah. significant yeah. for us. Again, the beautiful thing about this podcast is we'll just chat it up a little bit and we're just going to keep on going but i all of our listeners you want to stay with us in this conversation because mm -hmm. i think we're going to be here for several episodes because I, I but i want to be able to take the right tangents with yeah. the holy spirit so i have a, a tangential thought when we first started the training school which was we're newly married we have this vision training people at the local church we had this little training school we had eight students and um we thought okay, we're going to give everybody an assignment to reach a different area of town. We're going to get on mission and we're going to go for it. Like we're going to be real Navy SEALs. We're going to read the Bible. We're going to pray. We're going to obey and evangelize everything. And we're going to, you know, just do the thing. We got uh, one week into it and we realized everybody's so stinking broken. We can't even go out the door mm. without breaking down. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we are like, we thought we were going to eight different ministries that we're all going to do one because we don't have strength to do anything. Yeah. And everybody's really broken and everybody hasn't resolved their unforgiveness issues and their pain and their challenge. And so all of a sudden, immediately, we realized, uh, golly, we got to heal our hearts mm -hmm. before we can be a family that can be on mission. Mm -hmm. 
And because we can't take uh, unhealthiness and rescue the unhealthy. Right. And so we ran into a little teaching on the Father Heart of God by John Dawson. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was, again, it was the first time we had really heard that message. Yeah. And people wept and wailed of a father who loves them. Yeah. And it was so stunning. Now, Laura and I had gone through our own little forgiving our parents kind of thing, and we had kind of made a little headway in it. But when we heard this revelation of the Father heart of God, God's intention of love and care and nurture, seeing our brokenness not as a condemning place, but as a place to meet with us and deliver us and help us, and our need to learn how to relate to one another, not out of our wounds, but out of our security in God's grace, it was just life-changing. And, and Zach, you know, you've been around 20-something years. You know that this is still the number one teaching. It's, yeah. it's where we always start in the training schools, and it's where we repeat. Uh, here's another thing. When I, I, I uh, you know, we did the training school for a few years, then I became college pastor. And when I started preaching every week to college students, um, I thought in my mind, everybody are already good with God. They just wanted to know what to do. So I told them how to fast, how to pray, read your Bible. Let's go for it. And of course, there's fruit in all that. And you meet God's grace in that. But it, one day I was preaching and I was telling them, you know, how to fast. And, uh, and everybody was kind of lazily looking at me. And I realized, oh, my goodness, they don't know the God who loves them. Yeah. So all this stuff I'm telling them to do, they're willing, but they don't know why they're doing right. it. And and God's not big enough for them. And they're not, they're just struggling with so much stuff. Yeah. And so I literally wrote on the top of my page, every time I was working on notes, a third of the sermon about the character of God. Mm -hmm. So I would say, no matter what I taught on, I would make sure a third of it covered the Father, who Jesus is, mm -hmm. and who the Holy Spirit is. Mm -hmm. I think if you heard me teach today, you would still hear that not I don't do that as a as a discipline anymore, but I think you would still hear that, right? Because we're we we believe in the standards of God. We believe right. in death to self. We believe that there's more for us, and we're living kind of broken life. We we need to rise up into God's call on our lives, but without the character and nature of God as a father who leads a family mm -hmm. with grace and mercy, yeah. there's no race to run. There's no strength to run yeah. the race. I believe it. I was uh, listening to this guy who spent his professional career studying America's greatest entrepreneurs, like Sam Walton, who yeah, built Walmart, right. studying their life stories. Right. And someone was asking him, so after all these you know, leaders that you've studied, these entrepreneurs that you've studied, what did you learn? What are the commonalities? And he said, one of the things that I've learned is that the story of a son or the story of the daughter is bound up in their relationship with their father. Yeah. So he said, looking across the board, it yeah. was the relationship with a dad, for better or worse, is what set the child on the trajectory to become who they have become. As I think yeah. about Abraham, what we're saying is, up until now, the defining characteristics of Abraham's life has been his relationship with his biological, earthly right. heritage. Yep. And what's happening here is God as a loving father is stepping in yes. and forging a new relationship with Abraham, speaking yeah. new identity and purpose into him. And a new story for Abraham and a new story for humanity is going to emerge out of that relationship, that fatherly 
blessing and love that we all need that then shapes the actions that we go out in faith with. Yeah, it's just it's just amazing. And again, I would just say to everybody listening, um, I to this day, this morning, meditated on Psalm one thirty nine about the you will mow you down my mother's womb. I'll give thanks to you. I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. I meditated on God's Father heart towards me. Because I needed it again this morning, but I need it every day. Yeah, and so we're on a journey of that renewal of thought in mind. Uh, uh, Mick Murray, you know, one of our teachers in the body. Uh, I love Mick. Yeah, I love Mick, and just a little shout out to Ideology, their podcast. But maybe, maybe we'll end here with this story today. Is um, uh, Mick was sharing the other day? Uh, he was adopted, and and his parents were good-hearted people. Dad's not a believer, but really wanted to love Mick and try to include him in things in his life, but, um, you know, never really was able to emotionally connect with Mick. So you already got a kid dealing with attachment issues as an adopted yeah. child. Then you got dads with attachment issues right. that's trying to be the, the replacement. And, um, and Mick said, I cyclically struggle, even as an adult man and a leader and with being lonely, and just wanting to be able to pick up the phone and call my dad and ask for advice. Yeah. You know, what's that like? And I, I feel like I don't, I, I, and so, you know, his whole deal was, so I go to God and I grieve it again. And I say, God, this hurts. I, I'm sad that I'd never knew my dad. I'm sad that my dad who adopted me, though I'm thankful for him, wasn't able to provide those emotional needs. Right. So he pours his heart out to God, his pain, and he says, but God, thank you that you're my father, mm. and I re-enthrone you right. as the one I can call on. Right. I re-enthrone you as the one who has all the answers. I re-enthrone you as the one who is able mm -hmm. to not only comfort me, but also to lead me Love it. by your spirit. And um, and I, I just would say that that's, that is the father of the scriptures. Right. That is the father that we experience. Right. And whatever your earthly experience has been, even the most painful one, let it be a catalyst to drive you to the father of the Bible yes. and his constant pursuit. One last thought that I found myself uh, sharing the other day, and I, uh, I'm kind of on these days, is that uh, our father in heaven has yeah. never done anything wrong yeah. towards us. Amen. Because he can. Like, like logically... God is love, yeah. unconditional love. He's the creative God. He's the pursuing God. He's the one who established how the whole thing works. He's never had a wrong thought. Yeah. He's never done anything wrong towards his creation. He's only done what is best for us in every aspect of our whole journey. So we have a perfect heavenly father Amen. that literally sits, if you will, if you could put it in a natural, sits on the edge of his seat waiting for us to wake up and call on him. And he wants to help. So good. We enter the throne of grace with confidence. We find mercy and help in our time of need. Amen. Abraham is an example of a simple man that God chose and then helped him yes. to find his promise and destiny. Yes. We're going to pause it there today, pick up Abraham next week as we journey through this beautiful story of Father God choosing a people for his glory and then choosing us as his own. Love it. As we land the plane, uh, 
resources that you mentioned, if this Father Heart of God thing is like touching you as you listen, the teaching Father Heart of God by John Dawson, you can find that on YouTube. McMurray, uh, our teaching uh, director here at Antioch Waco, uh, wrote a book about the Father Heart of God you can find on Amazon. And then number three, as a movement, we're going to be praying and fasting toward the end of February. Yep. And this would be a great thing to pray and fast into of encountering the Lord in this way as our Father and strengthening us uh, in that area. So a couple action items or things to take away to press in with this word. Love you guys, and we will uh, see you next time. Love you all.